Welcome back, y'all, to episode 93 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. We cover multiple topics. We talk about multiple things with the intention to entertain and inform. The goal of this podcast is to master the short form podcast within 15 to 20 minutes. And today is no different. So let's get into the topic at hand. All right, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I'll be all over the place with this podcast, I think, because do you ever have moments where either things click or things are like aware or you just have a moment where you sit back and think and you're like, oh my gosh. Well, that for me has been the last couple of days. And I want to get into the first thing. Number one, you know, with November 8th happening tomorrow, I did a prediction of a red wave. But what I didn't talk about is this new concept we are going to get probably on the Republican Democratic side of vote denial. You know, we could see a lot of potential vote denial within the new systems. You know, I was watching some um, conservative news as well as some liberal news to just kind of get a feel for the conversations at hand. And it just really felt like those seeds were kind of being planted on a couple of shows. I'm like, this is really strange that this is what we're we're talking about. And and the media has the power to shape the narrative so much on both sides. And, you know, maybe sometimes it is kind of this thought process that they're both on the other sides or in cahoots or what. But one thing I've been really realizing is within the last, I don't know, like five years, maybe less, is really the decrease in the talk or awareness of terrorist attacks. Now, I used to work on an open source project for the terrorist database. And within that, I would do open source coding, news articles from all over the world where I'm tagging different databases um, about different terrorist attacks. And like the go-to for always having the most terrorist attacks is Al-Shabaab. And I'm like, I haven't even heard about them in the news in so long. And maybe I'm just not getting the right content, which can happen. But it's like, if you look... At some terrorist attacks, there was a terrorist attack September 3rd in Mogadishu, okay? And this ended up killing 19 people. And it was attack claimed by Al-Shabaab insurgents. So, I mean, that's something that just happened within the last last two months. Then we look at, then I'm like kind of just Googling like what's going on with ISIS. And CNN did put this out, but, you know, you really don't hear about it as much as you used to, you know, you, 15 killed, 40 injured in a terrorist attack claimed by ISIS in Iran. So the point I'm trying to make is like, you know, those things aren't really as part of the narrative as we used to hear. You know, we're not really inclined to it. And I think whenever you are born, raised and seen everything in the era of 9-11, you know, it's like it's not as it's not as impactful as it was. And it's in a lot of ways, it's like the narrative of the pandemic just absorbed that and everything having to do with COVID and you weren't necessarily as concerned with it. And that's what I mean when I talk about the narratives, because it's like both sides taking narratives, both sides talking. And it's like now, you know, I listen to 
conversations, I watch TikToks, and it's really interesting to see even the TikToks being put forth in front of me and how, like, what does this even mean? And this is taken from um, a speech at a Democratic rally from Obama. And we can see it in other countries where government tells you what books you can read and what books you can't. Countries that, that own all the media and, and just pump out propaganda and, and put dissidents and reporters in jail. Countries where it really doesn't matter who you vote for because the fix really is in. And people in power do whatever they want. And where corruption is rampant because there's no accountability. When that happens, people get hurt. And we can see. Like, I'm going to go ahead and say, like, um, I've lived extensively in China where they did control the media. And I experienced it. And, it, you know, it's something that's very real. And in comparison, um, I was a teacher for Peace Corps. And I worked with the American government as a volunteer teaching English. And I was told certain topics I could never bring up in class. One of them was Tiananmen Square. Okay. And one of them was the fact that I could never bring up Taiwan in class. And another one was... um different i mean what was it so it was also how there was control over google about messaging um you know you couldn't google martin luther king to talk about unrest in china the name of peace corps was that's which means and the full thing would be and in China, they didn't want to use the word peace for messaging because if you put peace in it, it would, rep- it would represent discomfort. So it was the American-Chinese friendship group. You know, it was like we couldn't even call ourselves Peace Corps within China because the information was so um, controlled. And it's like, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. During a lot of things during the... the um, the pandemic, it felt like there was a lot of control over information, you know, and, and and I can honestly say, like, whenever things happen with the Wuhan lab, I did all the research, pulled up all the links, cross-referenced it, and said, there's a good chance this leak happened within the Wuhan lab, and a lot of people looked at me like I was crazy, and a lot of people were trying to say, no, that's not possible, and when you went to go Google it, it seemed like there was a lot of control over how things were being Googled and control of the information. And you're having a lot of things come out right now with social media controlling different outcomes of elections. Mark Zuckerberg literally going on Joe Rogan saying, hey, the FBI, you know, knew what was going on within these elections. They asked us to thwart certain information and then coming to find out that DHS has a portal into Facebook in order to identify and censor certain people from what they're saying and what they're doing. Um, You know, it's like these things happen pretty quickly, but it's like more now than ever, we're at this point where, you know, you could say something to offend somebody and you're not even really 
saying anything that crazy. And it feels like the, the to be offended nowadays is really almost like a form of martyrdom. Oh, you offended me when you said that. And then people, you know, and it's different if you hash out that conversation face to face or say, hey, this is just a difference of opinion. I believe something different than you. And that doesn't mean anything different. But it's like, no, you have to believe this collective narrative. You have to believe this. You have to do this. You have to say this. This has to be your pronouns. You have to identify with it. And I think that feels very controlled to me. You know, it feels like I can't express certain ideas in an environment that people aren't going to be upset with it. And it's like, you know, when did it get to that point is the real question. Because I do remember this time and place where the biggest fear was being attacked by terrorists. But, you know, I mean, Obama had a famous quote saying you're more likely to drown in a bathtub than being attacked by a terrorist. So then you look at that comment and you're like, but why was the media always indicating these threats? All the things going on and almost cherry picking the information for us. And now we are stuck in this narrative between the left and the right. You know, my my background on Capitol Hill, I was actually a intern for a seminar. I worked for a Democrat um her name was Senator Blanche Lincoln. They gave tours at the Capitol, took phone. I took some crazy phone calls whenever doing polling data. Um, and it really was interesting how legislations worked, how things, how bills are passed. And it's like a lot of things in the government are actually really slow. You know, it's like whenever they have recesses, they come back in, they try to get a bill passed. Maybe a senator only really successfully gets a bill passed. But now it's like so much of marketing is about signaling. I mean, you're looking on TikTok and you see, you know, these Democratic candidates doing these dances to get engagement from young voters. And it's like, is that even, what does that even mean? Like, why is there so much things tailored towards it, you know? And it's like, for me, sometimes it's like, does that even, is that really even what you should be? Is that how you're going to engage with your base? Is just, you're just going for like the most likes on it i mean it just seems like strange times it's like then you look at this whole thing with steve quote steph stephen corbell colbert um and dialing back his comments he made about um a gentleman in he was a democrat in michigan and he switched his name was turn dixon okay and he was upset with how the democratic party was trying to put certain books within schools that he didn't approve of for his kids to read. And, you know, Stephen Colbell said it never even happened. It wasn't even a real thing. And it's like, you know, just a straight-out lie when you could just Google it and find it. I mean, you're having these things happen now. And it just seems like a lot of narratives have shifted so much within the last 15 years of where we were as a nation and where we are today. And, you know... it. <laughs> It's the rhetoric on both sides doesn't work. I just think that a lot of things are going to happen out of this November 8th that's really going to set the trajectory for probably the next few years for each party in office. And it's really like the best thing to do would come together and have understanding. But it just seems like that the divisiveness on both sides isn't helpful. And Picking policies that help the common person would be really helpful, in my opinion. And I think that, you know, whenever we're picking these, you know, people want to be like celebrity politicians, 
It just, it's not, it's not what the job is. I mean, the job is to serve the people, not to create your platform to become a politician and make money off your book sales, your book deals, your stock investments, um, brokerage deals. It's like, it's become this whole big business now. And it's like, you know, how are people, you know, how, you know, what's going on with the common person? And I think in a lot of ways too, it does put faith within the voting system that you do have people polling so hard, you know, I mean, I, people want to say voters have been tampered with or whatever, but I'm like, then why is Obama going out and stumping so hard? You know, why is Trump stumping so hard? Why are people trying so hard to drum up votes if they think that's the true issue that everything was just going to be manipulated? You'd be like, well, I don't even need to show up. If that's the case, I think, you know, that's a, that's to me, that's an indicator that people still do care and you have people still showing up, both, you know, ex-presidents wanting to have some type of impact on the vote, which I think is really important. And I think it shows that there is some balance still in democracy. But it's like when you watch the media, both sides of it, you think we're like on fire, you know, and it's 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 divisiveness at, at its core. And it's like really at the end of the day, it's like, you know, people need to just accept people for having different beliefs. And I think that whenever we put so much stock into the media and what their outlook is and what we're listening to, you know, we really have to be able to take a step back. And I mean, in all things, and now it's not, it's not only the media you're watching on TV. Now it's like your, your algorithm that's tailored to you, what you're reading, what you identify with and who you surround yourself with and what principles you're trying to react with. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, there's a great saying with politicians. It's like you you can't always have your full loaf of bread and your gallon of milk. Sometimes half is better than nothing. And, you know, we need to come together, in my personal opinion, whatever happens after this quote-unquote red blade where we can work together. You know, it's like we had some great, you know, you look at like daylight savings time. We're having it this year, but next year it's going to be gone. And there was a partisan shift to get it moved. And it's like whenever both parties come together – and they want to vote on something, it's like there's there's real impact, there's real change. And it's it takes I mean, it takes now it takes more than anything to have it happen. So moving forward, it's like I you know, I you know, I hope these things can mend. I hope we can come together as a nation and 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 be on the right foot so we're no longer going back, listening to these auto clips, cutting it like what I did with Obama and just being like, Oh, this one thing out of context, you know. I did it too, but it's like those things are real and we just have to be mindful of it. And, you know, I'm guilty of it as anyone else, but I still want to make sure that I'm hearing both sides. And that's all I got today. We'll see what happens tomorrow.